Welcome to the Man Up Podcast. I'm Winston Wolf. I solve problems. A spiritual oasis for men. We're not pastors, just regular guys. Put that coffee down. Coffee's for closers only. So, for the uncommon man, created by equally uncommon men, this is Man Up. Supreme Court ruling, right? Yes. Everybody heard that, right? On what? You heard the Supreme Court ruling? About what? The baker. The baker. Oh, the baker. Yeah, yeah. 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 I narrowed yeah. the oh. It was oh. very well. Yeah, yes. It's it's yes. it's going to yes. at least make a dent in the anti-Christian hostility. The gay people. But right. no, no. But I. But yeah, but no, a, right. but if no. they almost right. gave the Colorado Civil Rights Commission a roadmap to <laughs> redoing that. Design. Yeah, they almost. Yes. Yeah, right. Yes. Here's the. You're in the the, uh, wedding business and you can't find a gay baker. How hard are you? (laughs) Yes. How hard? Yes. That's what I'm saying. I was in the event business. (laughs) What a way to start. You know what? You guys might not have realized this, but we have been rolling. You know what they have? They want on the cake a phallic symbol. Oh, I figured it was. See, that's what you get when you you listen to Man Up podcast, you know, you get uh, you get the briefest of the, the great parts, you know. Hey, and welcome to the Man Up podcast, and we're glad you're here. And where is here? Here is at the Man Up studio in Sugarland Baptist Church, Sugarland, Texas, outside of Houston. Which is in the state of Texas. And so if you got a globe, spin it around. Make sure you get into Texas. We're glad you're here. Largest city in Texas is Houston. We're on the southwest side. <clears throat> Mike, since this is Man Up, Oasis for Men Spiritual, let's go ahead and lead us in a prayer. All right. Father, it's good to be here today. Thank you for the men. Thank you for uh, those who are listening. Lord, we thank you for your word to guide us, and we ask you to show us your, with your Holy Spirit um, some insights to your word and that which you would have us learn tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Oh, thanks amen. so much. This is a spiritual oasis for men. This is Man Up. What this is based upon is the Man Up Adult Bible Fellowship here at Sugarland Baptist Church. Like we said in the open, we're not pastors. We're just regular guys trying to find a little deeper meaning for our life. And we want to look at something that's a little bit different than the church answer or the answer that we'd hear with our wife or girlfriend or whatever. And just want to let you know that upcoming, there's we're going to have a Father's Day special. So if you ever wondered what a bunch of good-looking guys like us look like, well, <clears throat> you're probably uh, overestimating how good we look. But we're going to be on video doing and the looking podcast. Good. <laughs> and, and looking good. good. That's right. I plan on bathing between now and then. I mm-hmm. uh, just want to let you know. Um <clears throat> And we're going to have a Father's Day special. We'll be on camera, and but we'll also release the podcast ahead of time like we always do. And we have a great panel here to discuss this week's lesson. And the lesson is from, we're in the study Connects 360, Character and the Crown. We're in lesson four already, Appointed and Anointed. This is from the study of 1 Samuel. And our panel today is, he is a policy writer. We call him, kind of consider him class intellectual, but he's also a professional gambler. Mr. Steve Titch is here. And our class deacon, insurance guy, Mr. Kyle Trahan is with us. 
he's an attorney. He's also a prosecutor, so he could uh, throw the book at you or get you off. We call him the judge, Mr. Michael Cropper. And our professional trainer, he is the professor, Mr. Robert Koshu. And my name is Bill Cox. I'm the host, and I'm the director of the Man Up Adult Bible Fellowship. I'm basically just a sales guy, but I'm a writer and actor. So I'm going to be here to keep it going. What I want to do is we'll go around and I'll let the panel introduce themselves as well as the lesson. And so we're so glad you're here. I'm going to start off with the professor. Yeah, this is an interesting study because here we get to, to having the first king in Israel. And I'm just going to jump back and I'm just going to throw this out there and then we can kind of roll forward. But them wanting a king, everybody acted like, oh my God, we got to have a king. Something we never thought about before. Well, actually, back in Deuteronomy, when they were wandering around the wilderness, Deuteronomy chapter 17, verses 14 through 20, this is what the, man, the Lord commanded to Moses to write. When you come to the land which the Lord your God has given you and possess it to dwell in it, and say, I will set a king over me like all the nations that are around me, you shall surely set a king over you whom the Lord God chooses. One from among your brethren shall set his king over you. You may not set a foreigner over you who is not your brother, but he shall not multiply horses for himself, nor shall he cause the people to return to Egypt to multiply horses. For the Lord has said to you, you shall not return that way again. Neither shall he multiply wives for himself, lest his heart turn away, nor shall he greatly multiply silver and gold for himself. And also it shall be, when he sits on the throne of his kingdom, that he shall write for himself a, that he shall write for himself a copy of this law in a book from the one before the priests and the Levites. And it shall be with him, and he shall read it all the days of his life, that he may learn to fear the Lord his God, and be careful to observe all the words of this law and all these statutes, that this heart may not be lifted above his brethren, that he may not turn aside from the commandment to the right hand or to the left, and that he may prolong his days in his kingdom, he and his children in the midst of Israel. And I was just amazed because here we are, we're starting to talk about, got to have a king. And, you know, the Israelites had gone roughly 400 years with judges. Didn't need a king. All of a sudden you got to have a king. Well, this is about 500 to 600, Steve, if I'm correct, written before they needed Saul. And here's God telling them, okay, when you get there and you want a king, here's the rules you got to follow. Wow. This, this is interesting. I didn't tweak Tim now. Yeah. Yes, you did. Because, because, and I don't think, I think our, the book, the book's excerpt from, from Samuel stops right before this verse. We'll be, we're going to talk about chapter 10 and maybe mm-hmm. even, and, and a little bit of mm-hmm. chapter 9 too. Chapter 9 and 10 and plus what leads up to that. But it, this puts something into context because we, I, I didn't realize that was in there. In verse 25, chapter, this is 1 Samuel chapter 10 verse 25. Samuel explained to the people the rights and duties of kingship. He wrote them down on a scroll and deposited it before the Lord. And then Samuel dismissed the people. But so this this is almost a, a, a footnote thrown in because there's all this ceremony with 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 Saul being anointed. That that Saul not only perhaps did Saul say here's what the king's supposed to do. He may have pulled it right out of 
Oh, he probably did. He probably did. Um, and and <laughs> yet, and, and but we'll take it back because because this whole idea of of the 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 Israelites wanting a king, Samuel saying it's a bad idea, God saying it's a bad idea. And, uh, and, let's not listen to him. And, and yet, and yet, and yet, kind of. And, Again, I'm getting a little ahead of it. God lets them go through with it. God, God only, only lets them approve it. He, he, he gets involved in the selection process. So I will circle back a little later because I, I have some some issues about this. Well, and we're going to turn to the judge next to get him to well, muddy up the get, situation. I'm diversifying a little bit. <laughs> well, uh, folks, just to put all this in context, if you listen to our last Man Up podcast, you'll remember that... Um, that Samuel has brought the people and led the people of Israel, like they're saying, to a point at which they turn their hearts to the Lord. And he tells them, if you're going to follow the Lord, you're going to have to do it with all your heart, and you have to get, reject your idols, your Asherahs, your uh, Astaroths, whatever they're following at that time, you're going to have to give them up wholeheartedly and turn to the Lord with all your heart. So we see the people then, as Samuel gets older, he appoints his sons to be judges over the people of Israel. And along with other things, uh, his sons turn out to be sinful and wicked, much like Eli, his predecessor, right. and his two sons. And, and, and I made a comment in class as we were looking at this. Now, we're coming up to the text where Steve and Robert have been talking about. But you would think, since he actually gave his vision and word, word from the Lord to Eli, that he was going to lose his life and his family if he didn't, they didn't turn away, and his sons as well, their whole family, they were going to be judged, you would think Samuel would stop his sons from being sinful. And what they did, when he pointed them as he got older, they started taking money and bribes as being uh, the priests over well, that. They, they were better. Yeah. They didn't at least sleep. They at least didn't sleep with the women in the temple. Well, we don't. Uh, I mean, they yeah, didn't clean it up with the They ran out of space. Well, they were as hot. They, they were as hot. Bribery. say they only did that. Right. I mean, no, when you look at it, the text. But I would tend to think they would have thrown that in. But, uh, <laughs> but I, I don't. I don't think that you know either. They're but, corrupting the process. Yeah. Right. But I mean, oh, all right. Oh, at least, at least they were. Let's finish Michael up so, here so, so, in, as a result of that, the people of Israel say they want a king, which brings us to today's lesson. Now, we don't go through the process before today's lessons. What we do is we're introduced to Saul. So if you're following us, you might want to read the scriptures in between there. And like Stephen Roberts said, this is 1 Samuel 9 and 10. You might want to read 1 Samuel 7 and 8 right. on your own, yeah. so you'll get the background. I want to go ahead and welcome Amos in. And we here at Man Up have an open-door policy, so it doesn't matter if the red light is on, the cameras are rolling, you're welcome to come on in, and we're glad Amos is here, and we call him the counselor. But before I get to his opinion and Kyle's on this lesson, I just want to say this. Of course, we're railing on the on the Israelites, okay? But think about the basic difference between a judge and a king. A judge will judge the behavior and the actions. Mm -hmm. However, however, a king sets the tone for the people. A king is something to follow. It's kind of like only having a disciplinarian and never getting encouraged. 
Okay? That's to me would be the difference between having a judge and a king. Right. Just want to throw that out there, you know. Anyway, Amos, it's great having you here. Want to go ahead and uh, share your interpretation of Lesson 4, Appointed and Anointed. And we're going to be reading the uh, scripture here pretty quick. I'm just trying to get an overview from the fellows. Oh, all right. I'm glad to be here again this evening. For now, all I want to say is that God never has planned for king. But because the children of Israel, they requested for king, that was the reason why God allowed their, granted their request. I believe God decided to give them judge, but because they were not satisfied with what God was giving them, they requested for a king. But uh, God, in his mercy, decided to permit their requests, and that was why they were able to find themselves in the era of having king. Uh, we know the story because they were looking for, they were asking, because they eventually asked for what God was not intended to give them, they ran into several crises around right. there. I, I will still come back to make some other contribution, but for now, my understanding about the chapter is that king was given to them because they requested for king. Meanwhile, the plan of God for them is just to be governed by the judge. Right, right. right. Kyle Trahan, our resident Kunas. <laughs> You'll be able to see his uh, I do not find those words in the Bible. <laughs> well, we're not um, You know, there's so many points to this. You know, Mike, you, you brought up, you know, about his sons, and it's just so intriguing to me that his sons got the same way that Eli did. And, uh, you know, of course, I never saw the God, you know, smite you and your sons that Eli got, you know. Um, but we haven't strayed very far from right here. We're still in 1 Samuel. Right. Here in America, we call him president. Right. Over in England, they call her what? Queen. Or queen. King and queen. You know, they're, they're all over the place. There's a, there's a head at every country that we have. And we've still yet to come back to the idea that God is king. We have to have that head. We can't just live on our own in a peaceful, wonderful existence, which we all pray for, we all envision, but we all know that's, at the moment, certainly not reality. All right? But to me, I mean, to be able to put aside all of our differences and live together in harmony the way that God really wants us just before we get to here where they demand a stupid king. Yeah. I mean, I can't blame them. They're used to having, you know, uh, the, the Baals and the whatevers, and they've had all of these idols forever, whatever they called them in chapter 7 there. Right. You know, they had all this. They were used to praying to a statue or whatever. Now they have a king. They can worship and 
idolize the king because he's real. He's living. He's not like just a statue. He's a living, breathing man or woman or whatever that can tell us what to do. Right, right. All right, uh, go ahead and uh, I'll read the, uh, the scripture. It's from 1 Samuel 9, 1 through 4, and then 15 through 21. Um, there was a Benjamite, a man of standing, whose name was Kish, son of Abiel, the son of Zerar, and the son of Becherath, the son of Aphiah of Benjamin. He had a son named Saul, an impressive young man without equal among the Israelites, a head taller than any of the others. Now the donkeys belonging to Saul's father, Kish, were lost. And Kish said to his son Saul, Take one of the servants with you and go and look for the donkeys. So he passed through the hill country of Ephraim and through the area around Shalisha, but did not find them. He went into the district of Shalem, but the donkeys were not there. Then he passed through the territory of Benjamin, but did not find them. Now the day before Saul came, the Lord had revealed this to Samuel. About this time tomorrow, I will send you a man from the land of Benjamin. Anoint him leader over my people Israel. He will deliver my people from the hands of the Philistines. I have looked upon my people, for their cry has reached me. When Samuel called sight of Saul, the Lord said to him, This is the man I spoke to you about. He will govern my people. Saul approached Samuel in the gateway and asked, Would you please tell me where the seer house is? I am the seer, Samuel replied. Go up ahead of me to the high place, for today you are to eat with me, and in the morning I will let you go, and I will tell you all that is in your heart. As for the donkeys you lost three days ago, do not worry about them. They have been found. And to whom is all the desire of Israel turned, if not to you and all your father's family? Saul answered, But am I not a Benjamite? From the smallest tribe of Israel? And is not my clan the least of all the clans of the tribe of Benjamin? Why do you say such a thing to me? And now this is uh, 1 Samuel 10, <coughs> 9 through, or 1, and then 9 through 24. Then Samuel took a flask of oil and poured it on Saul's head and kissed him, saying, Has not the Lord anointed you leader over his inheritance? And number 9. As Saul turned to leave Samuel, God changed Saul's heart, and all these signs were fulfilled that day. When he arrived at Gilbeth, a procession of prophets met him. The Spirit of God came upon him in power, and he joined in their prophesying. When all those who had formerly known him saw him prophesying with the prophets, they asked each other, What is this that has happened to the son of Kish? Is Saul also among the prophets? The man who lived there answered, And who is their father? So it became a saying, Is Saul among the prophets? After Saul stopped prophesying, he went to the high place. Now Saul's uncle asked him and his servant, Where have you been? Looking for the donkeys, he said, But when we saw they were not to be found, we went to Samuel. Saul's uncle said, Tell me what Samuel said to you. Saul replied, He assured us that the donkeys had been found. But he did not tell his uncle that Samuel had said about his kingship. Samuel summoned the people of Israel to the Lord at Mitzvah and said to them, This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. I have brought Israel up out of Egypt. I delivered you from the power of Egypt and all the kingdoms that oppressed you. 
but you have now rejected your God who saves you out of all your calamities and distresses. And you have said, no, set a king over us. So now present yourselves before the Lord by your tribes and clans. When Samuel brought all the tribes of Israel near, the tribe of Benjamin was chosen. Then he brought forward the tribe of Benjamin, clan by clan, and Matri clan was chosen. Finally, Saul, son of Kish, was chosen. But when they looked for him, he was not to be found. So they inquired further of the Lord, Has the man come here yet? And the Lord said, Yes, he has hidden himself among the baggage. They ran and brought him out, and he stood among the people. He was a head taller than any of the others. Samuel said to all the people, Do you see the man of the Lord has chosen? There is no one like him among all the people. Then the people shouted, Long live the king. It seems like it was a big deal that he was a head taller than everybody. I thought the same thing. I mean, of course, you know, there's bound to be something to it because, I mean, they said the repetition of the Bible is intentional, of course. You know, so <clears throat> the reason of saying it twice has got to mean something outside of just that he was a tall dude. You want to see so you want to see your king? Pick out that tall guy. <laughs> Pick out right. that tall guy. Right. right. All right. Who <laughs> should be king? <laughs> hey, I see you standing tall. Standing tall right. Right. That's right. Bam. But what's what's kind of ironic about it is how many times does somebody anointed king and then goes into hiding? No, that doesn't happen too long. It doesn't happen. Well, well, all right, so here, I, I just wrote this down while you were reading it. You know, so, uh, where was it? Right here, the, the uncle asked, you know, what did he say? Oh, we found the donkeys, whatever, blah, 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 and he left all of this kingship thing out. But when Samuel was asked what was said, he gave all. Right. You know, but Saul really sissied out right in the beginning. But which this, I this think is, is, is part of the ultimate believe I, I'd like to I'd like to I'm called to ask this here because you see you see the contradictions in Saul right away when he enters yes. the be He's obviously a good looking guy. And even if he's from the small yeah. tribe, they look and they just said, right. he's, oh, it, says, gosh, it says he was out without equal among equal. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. He was, he was, you know, the, uh, you know, the, he, he was, he was a right. barley good looking guy to be your leader. Uh, at least and, that's the appearance. And, um, uh, so and, and, right. he, and he did come from, I mean, we're given his, Bat, he were given his genealogy for like at least four generations here, so they're making a point that he comes. Even if it's a small family, a small clan, it's Benjamin, but he had some stature, stature there. Um, uh, and um, you know, he was he did have some responsibilities. He was they they sent him off to look for the donkeys, but he gets he gets he gets anointed right. by Samuel, and then on the way back home. He, uh, you know, first he asked, why me? Which is comparable in the Bible. I'm not going to hold that against him. But he gets, he he runs into this group of prophets on the way back, and he kind of joins in, and they're impressed. And then he goes home, and and in my class, we did it like this. This is like... um, 
you're, while your kid's at school, he finds out he's got a full-ride scholarship to Harvard University, and when he comes home, he says, yeah, I think I got a 95 on our social studies quiz today. That's a, that's a really good <laughs> and, and he's hiding in the bed. When he's, there's some insecurities there. Well, and, and here's where, I, here's where my, question, my question is, is, God seems to go along with this king idea. But he chooses someone whose flaws are going to come out when he's put in a position of absolute power. Right. And, and, and well, it's funny. It's okay, funny. Don't, don't, don't you do that with all of us. Go ahead. Just as I said earlier on, I want to believe that, let's look at how God was gracious to these people by answering their request for giving them a king which they requested for. I see this story of Samuel as the Saul as the redo of destiny. The guy just, uh, he woke up one day, I saw about three mysteries in that story. The mystery around the lost donkey, the mystery around Samuel, uh, around Saul that was called to go and look for the lost donkey. And the mystery around Saul becoming a king. God, God was gracious to the request of his children because the moment they requested for a king, God decided to choose for them. Some, I mean, Saul never knew that he would eventually become king. But the historical aspect gave us the background that he came from, uh, from a well-to-do family and his father was so rich to the extent that right. he had so many slaves, so many workers in his fine yard. But I know that the, the reason why I said it was a reduce of destiny is because the, lost, the donkey is not a kind of animal that will be living in the, the fine yard and there will be an oversight. Nobody saw them when they were moved. We are not talking about one donkey. We are talking about several donkeys, and nobody it's saw not them when they run. Were, yeah, they run. It, that's why I said it was a mystery. Nobody saw them. That's why the father he was having so many workers in his fine yard. But and donkeys are worth money. Yeah, and so he They're, sent he sent his son to go get it. He yeah. just didn't send anybody. Yeah. He said and, and we certainly don't know any donkeys. And Saul was not the only son of his father. Why was Saul sent to look for the lost donkey? He has a brother. He was in position of responsibility. He was right. the he I was mean, the yeah, guy. go around the and, they were, and I think they were. I guess I don't think. By the time, by the time we compare, uh, by the time we compare the way they, the way the Jewish people treat their children. Just like Joseph, you will, you will, I realized that the, the last born normally be the choices, the choice of the father. They don't actually send them on errand. Just like Joseph was, preserved, was preserved in the family, while the rest of them will go out to look after the flock of their father. The same thing should have happened to Saul. But Saul was called to go and look for the lost donkey. It means there is a reason why he was chosen among, the, among, the, among his brother. And also, uh, the reason why I say there are riddles along the journey is because when he was also about, when, uh, when he was about to meet Samuel, uh, that was the time that he was discouraged. He wanted to turn back. But the, the, the slave they were working together said, no, don't be depressed. I know the house of a, I know the house of a, 
of a prophet, the one that will guide us. Now, to me, I notice that when in the journey of life, when certain things are missing, something may become difficult in the journey of life. At that time, there was no money, there was no food. In fact, there was no encouragement. But God positioned that servant there to be as a, a kind of encouragement to so. That was why I said this story is a riddle. And also, when he met prophets, I felt that Saul supposed to know prophets. But when he met prophet, he was still asking, "Are you the prophet?" And he, he, the guy actually answered that, "I'm the one." He didn't even deserve to become the king. But because God was gracious to his children. And I don't want to believe that God made a mistake for choosing Samuel, I mean for choosing Saul, except that uh, he just abused the grace of God in his life. I believe that the choice of God for the children of Israel was the best and the perfect way. He didn't start roughly, he started where? So what I'm trying to bring out from that story is that Saul becoming the king, the first king of Israel, was a mystery. And it was an answer to the request of the children of God. Because looking at the mystery behind the story, it didn't even fit. The time he met the prophet that would anoint him was the time he was even, he became an homesick. He wanted to turn back. If not for the servant, he would have turned back and he would have missed the opportunity. There are so many mysteries. I'm just looking at it as this is a mystery. He woke up, and when the, he was being asked by his brother that what, well, what about the, he only gave the report of the lost donkey. He didn't say anything about what he will eventually become after the good news. So that was why I believe that Saul becoming a king, the first king of Israel, is a mystery. That's uh, right. <laughs> and, and mystery, we're going to. Deep, dive deeper into in the second half. So this has been the Man Up Podcast. Thanks so much. We will be right back. And welcome. Now back to the second half. This is the Man Up Podcast, podcast number 59. We are in the lesson four. It's the Connect 360 study, Character in the Crown. What we're talking about in this particular podcast is God chose Saul to serve as the first king of Israel. And, you know, some of the questions uh, about this is who or what occupies the throne of your life and to consider who or what occupies it, as well as some of the other questions uh, that are in this study that they want us to bounce around is, like, why do we seek rulers for our lives outside of God? And I can tell you, see, that's one great thing about this group. I'm the host, but I feel like I'm one of the peasants. <laughs> you guys are all, you guys are all, you know, the upper, Judge. the prophets, the judges, the kings. <laughs> You're telling me what it's like. And I totally get it why the Israelites wanted a king. They wanted somebody that they assumed was closer to God than them. Okay? 
I, to I totally believe that. I see that. And that's why you'll see regularly, and that's one of the big things about this Man Up podcast. We're not pastors. We want non-church answers. We want what real guys think. But I can tell you there's a lot of times in church or in my walk of faith that I'm confused to the point to where I need some intermediate step. And I really honestly think that that's what the Israelites thought they were getting when they were asking for a king. I, I don't know. I'm, I'm thinking of Janis Joplin sang a song. Um, <laughs> All right. Lord, won't you buy me a Mercedes Benz? Yeah. My friends all have Porsches. Porsches. I, I must make, make amends. Yes, I think this is <laughs> like a the, Janis Joplin the, song. The Israelites saying, "Hey, look at everybody around us. Okay, we've we've given up our our uh, our, our idols." But boy, everybody else has kings. Why can't everybody we have one too? Kyle Tran. <laughs> you know, for me, I, I've said it, you know, plenty of times that I mean, for me, understanding the Bible and learning and trying to believe beyond a shadow of a doubt, kind of a thing. That to me, that's a hard thing to do because I can't feel, touch, smell, you know, I'll use any of the senses to feel God's presence. Right. It it you can't do it. It's your mind. It's up here, and that's not a physical thing. <coughs> and so, you know, I can see their zeal to want somebody to govern them because, well, they can see him. Look. Right. There's Steve. He's the king. They have some place to put the blame. Well, that too. No question. But they have somewhere to just say, you know, I'll let you make all my decisions. And that's more or less what they did. I mean, they submitted to the king's rule. Which I don't, I don't understand that part, but I understand the part to want the natural to be able to see the ruler of your life. Michael Crawford. Yeah, what he says real quick. They're getting lazy. When oh, you no, have to seek the it. Lord, and you're hitting it on the head, and, and it's it's so simple, right? When you have to seek the Lord and you can't see Him or touch Him or feel Him, you have to go in His way to reach Him. Right? right? You have to seek Him the way He tells you to reach me. You cannot just go out there and turn on the TV and say, there's our president. I can see Him. Anything like that. So, Kyle, and, and yeah, when you serve the Lord and when you only look to the Lord for leadership, it's, it's, it takes work. And right? to a lot of people, Plus we have to keep ourselves difficult. from unrighteousness well, and sin. It's, it's difficult and it's also not something we really want to do. We don't want the responsibility. We don't, well, A, we don't want the responsibility, and B, we don't want the work. <laughs> we, want we are lazy. No question about it. And the other thing is you have to, there is some scholarly evidence that suggests Part of the reason Israel's hopping on this, we got to get a king bandwagon. So if you look back at the history of the judges, the judges never really united all 12 tribes to fight. And so the Philistines and these other guys kind of get there, and then the Philistines manage to learn how to do iron, which if you do any metal studies, it's kind of in, my dad was a welder, so I knew a little bit about different metals. So this is from the Bronze Age to the Iron Age. 
So which Ron, age was your dad? Uh, Ron Iron. He can make it. But bronze is a very soft metal. Right. And if I've got a bronze sword, I can hack Steve, I can hack Bill, but by the time I get to Kyle to start hacking, my sword's dull. <laughs> and I gotta push harder and do more with it. Iron, you hit a bronze sword with an iron sword, you got a problem because the iron sword basically shatters. And so the fact that the Philistines get iron, the judges never really unite all 12 tribes. Samuel comes the closest because right. he does it a bare minimum convince everybody to get rid of the idols and do all that. But he gets older and along in the years and he's not really into leading them into battle. And yeah, we see what happens with his son. So I think there's some logic behind wanting the king here. Well, I also that think, though, that there is a short-sightedness Oh, They're not time. looking at this as building an empire. They're looking at this as merely surviving generation by generation. And like what we talk about in my class is the old Jewish saying that says sandals to sandals in three generations. And you, th and you think about it. It's just your basic bell curve. And you see that in success. You'll see one family member will make great sacrifices, become very successful. The second generation might be able to maintain it. The third generation drives it into the ground. That's just sandals to sandals. And you can think of it this way. Hannah built up Samuel. She prayed for him, gave mm -hmm. him to the Lord. Samuel became this prophet. He was the bell curve of it. And his sons, bang, yep. put it into the ground, sandals to sandals. And essentially, that was the end of that generation. Here's the thing. If you're going to be short-sighted and pick a generation at a time, you'll pick one person. Whereas if you're trying to establish an empire, you're looking at something that is long-term, so you're going to align it with either a king, which would be a controlling structure, yep. or as a priest, which would be family. And so well, we're going to this is this is going to this is this is going to follow through the next several lessons we do because what we have here. This is, this is still the Bible, and, and we're not going to go, it's, it's, we're going to accept it as God-breathed. Right. But it's also, it's also a history, it is also a history of a people trying to make sense of their own history and their relationship with God in it. At right. no point, and, and again, this is all really from what I understand. Samuel, as we know, Samuel, First Samuel, Second Samuel, books of kings that follow, really were edited together into the form we know now, post-exilic, around four to five hundred BC. The writings may be older. I'm only saying this because um, even back then, even though we're talking about the people looking to Samuel to be somewhat someone connecting them to God. At no point, even by God, is Samuel identified as some kind of religious leader. 
He is, he is solely there as a political leader. To, and I like your point, to, 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 and essentially maybe one of necessity, you, you've actually helped me through this, is in terms of <laughs> right. uniting the, the, the 12 right. tribes, tribes. Which, right. which may have been necessary for their survival. Mm. Uh, uh, so, but he is, he is at the basis a political leader, and apparently God, <coughs> God blesses him or anoints him, but that is not necessarily, he is not Samuel. He is right. Samuel's no. a prophet. Him, him and Samuel had complementary roles that is a, to each other. Point. They were they were to be complementary right. to each other. Sam, Saul was supposed <coughs> to provide the political and military leadership, <coughs> while Samuel continually had the political <coughs> military leadership. Matter of fact, the the word that we read as king <coughs> is actually in our book. Actually, brings out the Hebrew word nagad, which yes. was <coughs> actually a broad right. term for position of leadership, but the connotation was. That Saul was to serve under the divine rule of Yahweh. I, at this point, I looked that up. It, that is, you're you're absolutely. Boy, boy, we do do good lesson preparation. Well, that's yes. It's a. I've seen it. First of all, it does not in Hebrew. It does not mean king, right? And I and now it's it's an odd word because I've seen. I went through some translations. It appears as leader here, ruler, captain, prince. Yes, my my, mm-hmm. my classmate Spanish translation gobernador, governor. Uh, uh, no translate, no translations. Even going back to King James says king. So even God avoids the word. But Samuel perceives it as king because he uses he the word does. king. Samuel. So he, there's what you're saying is there's sort of a, a misinterpretation between God telling Samuel what he wants Saul to be and how Saul interprets it. Samuel Samuel says, even right even though I think everybody right. considers to be yeah. that the Israelites were done. But yes, yes, God, God is saying, you'll be leader. Now, Saul is not, you know, he doesn't he doesn't really guide the people. He guides them into battles a lot, up and down, but doesn't really have a you know, guide them through religious crises the way certainly Moses does or Elijah does later, or, or the, what the prophets do. Sure. And in fact, as the kings go on, more or less, the prophets become their foils and their antagonists more than their yeah. anointed. Kyle. Oh, hey, Amos. Yeah. Oh, Another thing from the story is that people like to be identified with what we call a personality that they can be identified with. Absolutely. I'm looking at that as one of the reasons why they requested for king. And also, that's the same problem they have when Jesus came. Some are looking at him. Uh, when they were following him, there are so many reasons why they were following. Some were following because of signs and wonders. Some were following so that it could just become their personality. And at some point, whenever they want to make him king, the Bible gave account that Jesus withdrew himself and ran away because he didn't want them to lose the purpose. I believe what um, God is trying to tell us from this story is that He actually want to give, He actually want to build personal relationship with His people. But here come a time where the people are demanding for a king. They want a substitute between God and uh, me, between them and God. And God decided to grant their request. So sometimes we we miss out of the plan of God because of our personal desire which might not in line with the the desires of God for for us. 
So they were looking for personality, which was not in the market. That's a good point, Amos. But, and I'd like to, uh, to add to that is that sometimes we're not willing to do what God wants us to do because there's no path. Whereas we will, if we go down the same path, which we typically will do, we want to take that path. Or we'll take the path that maybe has a little higher grass, but it's still a path, and think that we're following God. Mm-hmm. As opposed with going the way where there absolutely is no path and trusting God. Most of the time, it's we don't see the path in the natural. You know, again, most of our struggle is looking at the natural and trying to understand the supernatural so to speak, okay? Right. The, the extra realm that we don't see for ourselves. So, you know, oh my God, this path, uh-uh, this isn't for me. Holy crap, that scares the tar out of me. Right. Well, that's the natural. What we don't see is all the angels floating around the path going, well, we'll keep you safe along the way. And we miss all that. But... The, the point that I wanted to, uh, to, to dig for for a second is my own, and I, I hope I play to some guys listening in for my ignorance and everything else and y'all's expertise, and I love drawing from it. But the, the Urim and the Thiam, I mean, they cast lots. They're playing Dungeons and Dragons. No, it's dice. 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 What do you think Dungeons and Dragons is? Dungeons and Dragons is a 20-sided dice or whatever. They're throwing casts and lots. These were probably, according to the research that's in the book here, and I didn't do any more on it. Um, perhaps Steve did. I know. Uh, but they were carried in the breastplate of the priest. Right. The high priest then basically, when it came time to make a decision, if they thought the Lord needed to be involved, they would cast the lots. And so I pushed seven this. Seven eleven, baby. <laughs> but I, I uh, but, push this past to the sorcerers. Push this past to the sorcerers and everything else that the, would throw the chicken bones yeah. and try and predict no, whatever right. diddly. Right. The disciples. Did I mean, this I see it replace, not very different. To replace Judas. Yeah. Afterwards, yes. Yes. they cast yes. lots. Uh, the, yes, you know, Jesus' clothes. There's lots yeah. and lots of reference to gambling. There are, yeah. And, and so why, is not condemnatory. That's <laughs> why. <laughs> these are, these are <laughs> that's why we have him here. <laughs> but, but, yeah. but you're I making my argument that, for me. Right? That, that, the, that God would, you know, somehow intervene and make the decision for them. And not to say he wouldn't, because remember, this is the day of, this is the old covenant. So we're in the Ark of the Covenant, the high priest, you know, and all the that, the ipod, the 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 golden lampstand. It's all there, yeah. Yeah, and all of that. Well, we're getting we're getting down to the end of the podcast here, and uh, and I'm going to get some closing comments from the fellows. But here's my own uh, interpretation of the lots, casting the lots. Here's the thing. If you don't have a strong opinion that you'll fight for, I would cast lots. If I had something that I had a strong opinion about one way or the other, I would I would send that 
strong message strongly to the people. That's what I would. That's what I would do. So I'm thinking that in this particular case, they did not have a clear sense of what to do, and so it came down to, we need to make a choice. Stir some chicken powder. Let's throw the lot. Well, the, what's interesting is that the the outcome is already known. I mean, we are told that Samuel already anointed. Saul, right, and that you know, Saul, you're not chosen king. You are king, and it almost seems, even though there is this great gathering, and there's a, there's a, you know, there's a semi, there's a quarterfinal, semifinal, right. and final. You know, they go down through, through tribe, family, clan, and in person. It's it's Saul who's the guy. Who and so it was rigged. So so God knew so the outcome. It's you a think he had to follow, You think he had to follow through? Once again, for the visual of the people, we, well, it's we a ritual. It's a ritual. The whole the Old Testament is built on ritual. That's where they made all these rules and regulations, mm-hmm. and they had all those laws. And it's all, that's where the Catholic it's Church stemmed from. <laughs> it's all of the laws and the rituals. And the ritual was let's throw these stones and see if they turn left or right. <laughs> A great lesson. I uh, just want to let everybody know that uh, next week we're going to be doing the Man Up Father's Day special podcast on camera. We're going to have the fellas. And uh, so if you ever wondered what we looked like, we will, we will post that video. Of course, we'll have the same audio podcast as always. So if you're ever in Sugarland or the Houston area, we invite you to stop by. And we're at the Sugarland Baptist Church on the southwest side of town. We have a adult Bible fellowship in the morning on Sunday, and the podcast is recorded on Wednesday evening. And with that, just want to go around the room and get some final thoughts uh, from some of the fellas and uh, Start with Kyle. You seem to be on a roll, my man. Get some really? final thoughts from you. Let you summarize. <laughs> you know, um, a lot of it is the call to me. And when I stop back or step back, rather, and look at this, it's the people wanted what they wanted. Really, wasn't what God wanted. But it's what they wanted. And God went ahead and for whatever reason God did, of course we don't know that, he took granted his children. He granted that wish. And he called a dude. And that dude half ass stepped up in the beginning. Mm-hmm. He's hiding with the baggage. That was not a man up moment. You know? <laughs> and, and I mean again, I, I look at it, we, we talked about it on Sunday that Man, that's one heck of a thing to be told. You know what? You're about to be king, buddy. Right. You are about to rule over everyone. And I I, I get it. But I'm not afraid of public speaking either. Right. So I have no problem getting out in front of the crowd. And again, I think it comes down to listening to that call from God when he says, you're anointed to do this. Whatever this is for you, that we stop and we try to listen and obey. 
Excellent. Mr. Amos, we're so glad you're here. We call in the counselor. Go ahead and uh, give a quick summary uh, on this lesson. Oh, what an interesting story. I, my take and what I want us to take from the story is that whenever we find ourselves in the valley of decision, we must always realize that God's choice is the best. And we must position ourselves to accept the choice of God for our life, for our home, and some other aspect of life, God's choice is the best. Excellent. Judge Michael Cropper. Uh, yes, we, we've been looking at lesson four, and I think Bill, Bill mentioned this at the first of the lesson. Uh, the author of this lesson uh, wanted us to look at a question to explore that who or what occupies the throne of our life, and to consider who or what occupies the throne of my life specifically. And although this, uh, he addresses us for this lesson, we don't get into that yet. We're going to get that into the following lessons when we look at Saul's life. So the uh, author kind of got a little head there. But what we did look at today was the introduction of uh, Israel's first king and the steps that went to determining who he was uh, for the people of Israel. Although Samuel knew who he was and God told him who he was, uh, we got to, we were introduced to Saul today. And we will be looking at more lessons concerning Saul and learn a little bit more about his life. Right, right. Professor. Yeah, um, I want to do super, super quick summary. So this week we got introduced to Saul. John Maxwell in his 21 Laws of Leadership talks about the law of the lid, that every leader has lids that they have to overcome in order to really be a leader. Over the next several weeks, as you guys have alluded to, we're going to find all of Saul's lids. We got a glimpse in them today, hiding right. in the bag. Right. People find him. Second thing I want to do, I want to give a quick shout out to Sean Anderson. He is the author of A Better Life, an inspiring story about starting over, motivational speaker on Amazon.com. Encourage everyone to follow him on Twitter, at, at Soar to the Top. His website is seananderson.com. He is a Twitter follower and commenter. That He is an, an enjoyer of our podcast nice. this week, so I want to give a shout-out to him for that. That's awesome. Steve Oh Well, first of all, a great discussion. It answered some of my questions that I brought in, and yes, I'm looking forward to continuing uh, doing more about First Samuel and, and Saul. To, to pick up on what you were saying, Kyle, yes, Saul did get called, and he did not man up. Yet he had, right. he had, despite his drawbacks, he had some qualities, and I think maybe that's something we'll be looking at as we go fo as we go forward. Yeah. You know, you get called by God, you, you just can't say, okay, right. <laughs> and then start running off. But uh, because I looked ahead, and next week will be interesting, and as we move ahead, it will continue sure, to be interesting, because I, I find these... I won't say, I find these the most interesting uh, sections of the Old Testament uh, because Absolutely. we see, a, I, I, I do think it, it's a little different character of God we see here than even mm -hmm. we see in the, in the, in the first books, in the, in the Mosaic books. And one thing, and outstanding point, Steve, one thing that I think about this kind of stuff because we're looking so far back in history we can piece it together and see what 
spoke in the wheel each of these people are in the story of how this evolves. Whereas when you're in the middle of it, you might be a knucklehead and not realize that you are really going to be making a contribution far greater than what you yourself are. And I think that's the beautiful thing that God does through us. This has been Man Up Podcast number 59. Remember, we are on Facebook. You might have found us on iTunes. We're also on SoundCloud where you can catch all of them. And next week, you're in for a special treat because it will be a Father's Day special. My name is Bill Cox. Thank you so much. We want to encourage each and every one of you to join a Bible-based church. Get involved. Find a Sunday school class, Adult Bible Fellowship, that is just a bunch of fellas. And get together and study the Word. And if there isn't one, you man up and start one. Thanks so much. Till next time. You've been listening to Man Up. You want anything. I want the truth. You can't handle the truth. Dedicated to the uncommon man, created by equally uncommon men. If I were the man I was five years ago, I'd take a flamethrower to this place. You can contact us on Facebook under Man-Up. Post questions, and we'll answer them right here on the Man Up Podcast.